Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Good morning. How is everybody doing? Well, I'm doing fantastic. It is spring, I believe yesterday was the first day of spring. So I'm, I'm so happy I want to do away with this thing called cold weather. Uh, as you know, I spent uh, a couple of weeks in Ghana. It was about 150 degrees. <laughs> and so I come back to Annapolis and it is cold. And I'm learning something about uh, Eli, about Colin, some members on our team. Apparently, I'm alone as it relates to what makes sense temperature-wise for the home. So we, in our household, we keep our temperature at about 75 degrees, and apparently that's abnormal. (laughs) So uh, apparently some people keep it at like, Eli keeps it at 62. Yeah, that's too much. Joey, you probably keep it at what, 68? Yeah, so that's that's just, just uncalled for. So... Excited that we're in the spring, excited uh, that the warm weather is hopefully here to stay. Uh, but I'm his da- my name is David, I serve here as one of the pastors, and so excited that we can gather together both here and for our friends and family uh, gathered online as we continue in our series through Luke's gospel called Fulfilled. We're looking at God's promises fulfilled through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And seeing that it is, seeing that it is spring, Uh, I have a slight confession to make. Uh, Because it is March, I don't know if there's any sports fans out here. Uh, Anybody watch sports? What's the big thing that happens in March? March Madness. Absolutely. And last year, because of the pandemic, we weren't able to. And yesterday, I spent every waking minute of the day watching college basketball. It was fantastic. And uh, I I went to the University of Maryland, so I'm a little partial uh, to the Terps, go Terps, go Terps. fear the turtle. <laughs> and I, I've also learned that not everyone is a fan of the Terps. Uh, you know, praying for you guys, uh, you know, that God would do something. But I was watching uh, the commentary, and Charles Barkley, he, he messed up. He messed up bad. Charles Barkley went to the university, he went to Auburn, it's in Alabama. Now, now he, he is a die-hard, go-hard Auburn. Auburn's not in the tournament, and guess who he picked to win the whole thing? Alabama. That, that, you just don't do that. This is the school you go to. You don't go to the other camp and root for them. It got so bad that he picked another team from Alabama that they put, <laughs> someone said he should be arrested for war crimes. Because once you align yourself with somebody, You don't dare cross that line. You don't dare pick the other side. And so for those that watch March Madness, it's your team and every other team has to lose. But it's not just sports. I think we do that in our own lives. I believe we we pick sides. We pick a camp to stay in, and anyone not in that camp, you're an enemy. And so in Luke chapter 9, Jesus has something to say about that, about the camps we create. Jesus has something to say that I pray would just widen 
the opportunity we have to partner with others in the gospel. So I want to read Luke chapter 9, and we will be in verses 46 through 50. Luke chapter 9, 46 through 50. It will be on the screen behind. Uh, And let's jump in and see what the Lord has to say. Luke 9, beginning from verse 46. It reads as follows. An argument arose among them, that being the disciples, as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child, put him by his side, and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Verse 49, John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to stop him because he doesn't follow with us. He's not on our team, right? But Jesus said to him, do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. Friends, this is the word of God. Let's pray. Almighty God, what a gift it is for us to focus our attention on you this morning, whether here gathered in this space or joining in online. Father, our eyes, our attention is on you. And so, Lord, as we search the scriptures this morning, would you point us to Christ? And in so doing, may we find life and find it in abundance. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is the greatest, right? That's the question at hand. That's what this debate focused on, even for the teams fighting in this tournament to see who will be crowned national champion and deemed the greatest college team uh, in the nation. And if you were paying attention earlier, who is the greatest team? Go Terps. Just check it. Just check it. If you watch any sports, there's always this conversation about who's the greatest, who's the GOAT, who's the greatest of all time. And so there's all these debates. One of my favorite athlete, athletes, he, he, he didn't even give you the opportunity to question it. You guys remember Muhammad Ali? What did he say? If you're wondering, I am the greatest. He, he put it out there. And you know what? I'm not mad at him for that. Right? How many of us enter into a situation and say, you know what? I'm just going to be mediocre. Right? When, you, when you're applying for a job, when you're applying to schools, when you're applying to things, do you say, man, or, or you want to be on a sports team, do you say, hey, Coach, put me in. I'm going to do the absolute minimum and just be mediocre. Right? We, we all give it our all. We want to be the best at what we do. Right? And so I believe there is a sense in each of us that we want to have significance. Right? That we want to have the respect of other people. That we, deep down on the inside, want to do something great. But the problem comes is when that pursuit for greatness, we pursue it at the expense of others, or we pursue that greatness excluding what others are doing, perhaps in the same field. And so when we do that, you know what happens? Two things. We become suspicious of everybody, and we get blinded by jealousy. And so in Luke chapter 9, there is an argument among the disciples about who's the greatest. And Jesus does uh, an amazing thing where he illustrates humility. It's not about who's great. He says, man, be like this little child. If you receive him, you receive me. 
And in the context of this debate on greatness, in the context of this illustration with the child, we're invited in to see John, and something is bothering John. Did you see it in our passage? He's troubled. It's like he hears Jesus' teaching, what they thought was greatness, and he's like, you know, maybe I've messed up. Anyone here ever, like, overstep your boundary? You think you have permission to do something, and then all of a sudden you realize, oops. Like, like I know it happens with me sometimes, you know, especially in the context of, you know, let's say work or family. Let's say, you know, I'm excited. We got a little bit of money at home, and so I was just talking this morning, and I play golf. I love playing golf. I said, you know what, I'm going to splurge on golf today, and I just go spend a bunch of money, and then I get home, and then Sandra says something like, oh, by the way, you know, my car has a, you know, something else. I'm like, oops. I didn't consider that. And so in this context of greatness, in this context of humility, John is like, wait a minute. Did I do something wrong? Did I, did I overstep my boundary? And you see it in verse 49, right? John says, master, we saw something. We were minding our business and we saw something. Verse 49, master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop them. Because that's that's what we ought to do. We saw someone else doing something, and we try to stop him because he doesn't follow with us. Here's a guy being delivered from demonic oppression, but Lord, we, we stopped him because he doesn't follow with us. And so John, maybe with the other disciples, obviously consider this guy to be a fraud simply because he's not part of their crew. And so I believe, John, I believe many of us in our pursuit of greatness, we're often blinded by jealousy. I love what Thomas Aquinas says about jealousy. He calls jealousy, or he defines it as an irrational anger at the success of others. That when we're jealous of someone else, what we're exhibiting is an irrational anger at their success. And you see this throughout the scriptures, do we not? We see it with Joseph and his, and his brothers, jealous of him. We see it with King Saul, and he's jealous of David and his success, an irrational anger. And in Luke chapter 9, I'd like to suggest to you that we're seeing it with the disciples. We're seeing it with John. Now, now why would I say that? They, they see a man, try, he's casting out demons, and he's successful. They try to stop him. And I, I suggest to you that they're jealous. Why would I say that? Because if you back up a couple of verses, guess what the disciples are approached with? There was a father who is having issues with his son, and his son is being plagued by demons. And so this father brings his son to the disciples. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 40, he says to Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. I begged your disciples to cast the devil out. And guess what? They could not. So here are the disciples of Jesus. Brought an opportunity to cast a devil out, and they're unable to. And now they're walking along, minding their own business, and there's someone else doing what they couldn't do. No wonder John tried to stop him. Maybe he felt like, man, you're making us look bad. 
We who we think we're on the inside with Jesus, here you are, an outside, an outsider, and you're able to do it. This guy's success is making them look bad. Again, an irrational anger at the success of others. And so maybe they were blinded by jealousy. And when we're blinded by jealousy, we become suspicious of every other person. I mean, who does this guy think he is? He's not part of our inner circle. Who gave him the right to do what he's doing? The disciples didn't know him, and they, and this particular person, didn't belong to their crew. And it bothered them. And so I asked, how do we feel when others ascend to positions of responsibility and we do not? How do we feel when someone else surpasses us in our abilities? What if someone is honored where we would like to be honored? Do we become suspicious of them? I wonder what they did to get there. You see, when we're blinded by jealousy in this pursuit of greatness, we become suspicious. Because once again, deep down on the inside, we want to be good at what we do. We want to be affirmed. But the danger comes when we want to do that at the exclusion of everybody else. Maybe this is why Paul has to remind the church at Corinth, hey, there are many members, a diversity of gifts, but one body. Maybe this is why at the end of the scriptures, John has to remind the church that I look and behold a great multitude from every nation, from all tribes, from all peoples, and all languages gathered before the throne of the Lamb of God. Maybe we need that reminder that not everyone is going to be like us, not everyone's going to do things the way they do, the way we do them. And we need to be okay with that. You see, oftentimes we are too quick to condemn those who do not view things exactly the way we do. I'd like to suggest to you there are many that differ in some aspect of their presentation or teaching, yet they still make much of Jesus. Friends, this is good news. And the reason why it's good news is because it frees me from having to worry about what everybody else is doing. It's like, if I'm not careful, it's like I have to become Jesus' bodyguard. Like, I got, hey, hey, what are you doing? And and it's like, I I live my life trying to protect his image. The gospel frees us from having to be skeptical of other people, of people that may not do things the way they do. We are serving the mission of Jesus Christ. And so the gospel points us to Jesus' mission of gathering a diverse body to himself. So this is what God is doing in Christ. For example, in the city of Annapolis, he's gathering a diverse body for himself based upon his sovereignty. Do you want your preferences to, differ, to say, God, you're getting it wrong? God, I appreciate the fact that you're calling these people to serve you, but yeah, I disagree with your choice. And so what does Jesus say? Jesus says, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Luke 9, 50. Jesus responds, do not stop him. For the one who is not against you is for you. Isn't that good? Isn't that just good to the, the person? And 
Friends, if, if that's all we read this morning, the one who is not against you is for you. Jesus is calling us to be generous with our attitude. See, John is bothered that someone else outside their circle might get credit for something that they think they should be doing. But Jesus isn't playing that game of who's doing, who's not, who's in, who's out. Think about it. There's a guy being delivered from a demonic spirit. And instead of rejoicing over that reality, over that newfound freedom, the disciples are worried about the fact that he doesn't follow with us. Friends, doing the mission of God is what matters. Not these games of who's in, who's out, who's like us, who's not like us, who has the power, who doesn't. What matters is the mission that Jesus Christ has set us on. And so instead of seeing things from our limited sight, let's widen our lens and look at it from the Lord's perspective. Read in the, the Hebrew Scriptures and you read of Moses. Moses called by God to do great and mighty things. And there were two individuals, Eldad and Medad, who began preaching and prophesying. Anyone that has kids, or actually, even if you don't have kids, you were a kid, and you probably did this. Anyone was known as a tattletale? All right, raise your hand if you were the tattletale. All right, yes, some of you tattletales. This is, I see you Daniels in the back, and you just see his hand come out. I love it. But it's a tattletale type of deal. So Joshua comes running to Moses. Moses, there, there are other people doing what you do. You know what Moses said? Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Or think about John the Baptist in the New Testament. Remember? He's doing ministry in a tattletale. John, here's this Jesus. He has more, more followers than you. What does John say? Man, that's awesome. I, I got to decrease. May he increase. Or think about the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. He's in prison, and he learned that there are rival preachers who are seizing the opportunity of his imprisonment for self-promotion. What does Paul say? Shame on you? Paul says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. I think sometimes we become our worst enemy. We get in our own way. I've I've been in this thing for a while to know, man, church... No, we can have church wars. We can have battles. You just throw a label on a group and you're done. You can literally be done. I'm almost tempted to say a name and I'm like afraid that like I might get like hurt. You, you just mention whether it's a denomination, a tradition, a person, a preacher, a book you read. And people could just come hard against you. Jesus says, leave them alone. He says, leave them alone. We get in debates over a lot. I mean, and and they're good debates, but if that's where our focus is, then we're forgetting the mission. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever been on the other side of someone else's suspicion. 
That is not a good feeling. You, you're just honestly out of the, the, the goodness and integrity of your heart serving or doing whatever, and then people are suspicious about you simply because of the, the place you came from. That is not fun. And Jesus says, stop it. These are the little games we play protecting our turf. Making sure things go according to the plans we've set up. And so do it, we forget the mission. And there's a watching world, watching audience to these fights. But Jesus is preparing a people, a diversified body. This is why we say as we're being transformed, we want to see this impact the city. And so Jesus is saying, guys, we're on the same team. A couple weeks ago, we spoke, and I said, we're family today. Man, we're on the same team. Literally, we are on the same team. Us at Downtown Hope and our brothers and sisters spread out through the city and our brothers and sisters spread out through the world. They are going to be different expressions of our faith, but we're on the same team. Think about it, friends. The, the hyperpolarization seen in today's society makes us assume that our personal tribe is some sort of righteous remnant. Right? That we got it right. Everybody else is wrong. That our way is the right way. And so what does that look like? Usually, unfortunately, what that looks like is, you know, we, we get fed up, we get upset, and so we, we find a new church because that church is off. And Jesus says, guys, we're on the same team. Should we care about theological, uh, the, the intricacies of theology? Absolutely. Should we care about these things? Yes. But friends, let's not get in our own way. We forget the mission for which Christ has sent us. I think of the times in my own life where I was told, you're too young. You can't do this. Jesus is saying, leave them alone. You, you don't have the right education. And, and that's kind of been my motivation even for like my education so that I can be accepting to everybody else. Jesus says, stop that. Leave them alone. Forbid them not. If they're not against you, they are for you. And so maybe, maybe God knows what he's doing, that God knows his own on radically different terms than our own human associations, our assumptions, and our limited sight. So instead of stopping them and being like the Jesus police, let's pray for one another. Let's pray excitedly that the vision and mission of God goes forth. What this means is sometimes we're going to go to places thinking we're bringing the gospel and the gospel is flourishing there, but it may not look like the way we've imagined it to be. You know what? That's okay. Because sometimes we get in there and start adding our preferences and and we kind of disrupt the system. So I want to challenge us this morning that this, you have your role in God's mission. I have my role in God's mission. We have a role. And someone else might come along with their gifts. Praise the Lord. Let them flourish. And so might we all with Jesus say, if you're not against me, I'm going to assume you're with me. If you're not against me, you're with me. And when you do that, we see what true greatness looks like. True greatness is Jesus on display through a diversified body. 
And so at the end of the day, friends, we got a big sign that says downtown hope. It's not about downtown hope. It's about God and what he's doing through a place like downtown hope. What God is doing through other bodies of believers. This is why we partner with so many churches. This is why we're partnering with the church across the bridge on the eastern shore. This is why we're partnering with Isaac Vineyard and the work he's going to do on Clay Street. Because you know what? That's what this mission is about. Do you have to come to downtown hope to get it right? No. Just like I don't hold it against you if you don't like Maryland. Still praying for you. But we're family, and we're all on the same team. And so if there's someone that has shunned you or you shun someone because they go to that place, talk to Jesus about it and let him deal with that. And again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Yes, we ought to take seriously, and we do take seriously theology. We do take seriously the scriptures, the, the, the scriptures and the prescriptions found in Scripture. And we don't waver on it, and we hold hard to our convictions. But I won't count you an enemy if you differ. I may not be able to rock with you, but we're serving him, and I'll let Jesus deal with that. Amen?